I'm master at life and weight loss coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. On this bonus episode of the Body You Crave podcast, I'm speaking with transformation coach Janae Kama. Janae uses spiritual and psychological techniques to facilitate personal transformation, which basically means you tell her the results you want to create and the changes you'd like to see in your life, and she'll help you tap into your personal power so that you can create them. Now, we talk about all kinds of things on this episode, from body image and self-consciousness to internal versus external transformation and why we need both in order to truly create lasting change in our lives. We talk about should and shoulds and how they create drama in our lives. And she'll also share with us the three words that she has eliminated from her vocabulary and her thinking all together in order to create massive transformation in her own life. All right, let's dive in. All right, so today we have a fabulous guest and dear friend and cousin of mine, actually, Janae Kama. So thank you, Janae, so much for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't you introduce yourself and just tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Okay, so yes, my name is Janae Kama. I live in Los Angeles, California, and I am a transformation coach. I help people figure out how they would like to transform their lives and identify some subconscious patterning and blocks that get in the way. Yes, absolutely. And if you think that you don't have subconscious blocks and programming that gets in your way, honey, go talk to Janae because we all have it. And it's so freeing when you can start to identify it and work through it. Yes, absolutely. We all have it. And it just keeps uncovering. You know, I've been doing this work on myself for quite a few years now. And every mm-hmm. time I keep going deeper, I'm like, oh, there's a little bit more. Oh, there's more. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, sometimes it's, oh, hello, old friend. Like, I know yeah. you. Uh huh. And then other times it's like, oh, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, what got you into that? Is this something that you like always envisioned for yourself? What kind of brought you to this place? Well, I think that when I was younger, I always wanted to be a therapist. I know that's kind of a strange dream to have as a youngin, but I always just loved helping people talk through problems. I always saw the goodness in people. And I really loved being able to kind of be a support for different like emotional and mental things that people were going through. I, you know, I went to college for psychology, got my bachelor's degree. And when I graduated, I was like, oof, I am already pretty far in debt. uh, (laughs) Right. Like, all right, let's see, maybe I should start paying some of this down before I go into getting a master's and do the marriage and family therapy route. While I was doing that, I started, I've always kind of been working in hospitality on the side. So I was bartending, waitressing, Mm -hmm. all all of that kind of field. And I just kind of had an opportunity to get into management and I excelled really quickly. I think my degree helped me with that a lot and it became a career for me. So I've been doing that and became successful. And, you know, I had this little thing kind of like knocking always in the back of my mind, like, Uh really going to be doing this right? Like there's more to life than just this, right? And so I think it was a few years ago 
I read, there's this book series called Conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And it really changed everything for me. I would say it opened, it cracked me open spiritually. I've always been a believer in God personally. I think that book just helped me see experience God from a different perspective. And it just kind of reminded me like, oh my God, that's right. This is my purpose. And my purpose is not to be in the hospitality industry. No shame if that's your thing. I love it. But my purpose is really to be here to help people. And yeah, I just started doing my own work on myself and it just kind of grew from there. Mm -hmm. What do you think was one of your biggest transformations personally? Ooh, that's a wonderful question. I think my biggest transformation was not was identifying that I was really attached to stress. So I had a really, you know, unhealthy attachment to stressful situations. I liked to be the person who could figure everything out and who could, mm-hmm. oh, you throw any any sort of scenario at me and I'll get through it and I'll figure it out. That was actually, you know, when I look back on it, I'm like, that was a little bit of an addiction to stress. Hmm. And really releasing that for me opened up a whole lot of doors. And, you know, I, I realized, okay, yes, I like being, you know, the star. In the hospitality world, you're always working with stressful situations. And I really loved being that person that everyone could be like, ah, oh my God, help me with this. And I was mm-hmm. constantly kind of like being the savior. And when I let go of that, it shifted everything. And, you know, all of a sudden now I'm looking back at myself and I'm just like, wow, I could feel physically in my body. I feel so much lighter. I feel like I let go of this idea of what I should be. And recognizing that and working through it has been the most transformational for me. Yeah, I think it's really important that we start to recognize all the little subtle kind of nuances of things that kind of, I'm not quite trigger us, but the things that we're drawn to and gravitate to, or if we start to see like cycles of like how we're creating this for ourselves. And if we want to stop these cycles and patterns from continuing, it's like, well, we've got to figure out where they're coming from, how they're going and start to be that break in the cycle and stop repeating the same things that we grew up with that we saw in our parents or our grandparents and really, you know, so that it can come full circle. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's back up for just a little bit. Take me back to we little Janae growing up. And and this is something I, I ask all of my guests about is, you know, tell us what it was like for you growing up. How did you how did you feel about food and body and worthiness? What were some of the things that you learned as a kid? Well, as a child I think the biggest thing with food, it was very back and forth. So my mom loved to go on all of these different like diet sprints, right? She was really into diet culture and then she was really not into it. So Uh we had this very back and forth childhood. You know, I remember this whole period of time where she would be on the Atkins diet and we were eating extremely bland food and no (laughs) carbs and, you know, just yeah. And she didn't cook with a lot of seasoning. So my relationship with food was very much like, okay, I have to eat this. But every Friday, because my dad was really into junk food, we would have what's called junk food Fridays. So mm-hmm. every Friday, we would be able to order pizza and eat ice cream and get, have all the snacks that we wanted. 
And then the rest of the week, it was like boring, bland food. Right. My relationship with food was very much, you know, reward equals junk food Mm -hmm. (laughs) and struggle equals healthy food or like, oh, Mm. dissatisfaction is healthy food. Mm -hmm. So I grew up very much like that. And then as far as like self-worth, things like that, I think I also was always kind of like a naturally thin person. And I was like jealous of, you know, that I remember being in seventh grade and when girls started, you know, getting boobs and like uh-huh. your hips start coming in. And I was like, oh, I'm just this tall, awkward, <laughs> skinny girl. Yeah. My self-worth was very much, I think, tied into those, you know, those magazine images of what it uh-huh. means to be a woman or if a growing teen. And I definitely idolized, I idolized that idea, that image that was fed to us of like, oh, you got to have like really big boobs and you have to have like a skinny waist and, you know, just, Mm -hmm. you know, the societal expectation, I suppose. So hold on. So you were tall and thin and you still didn't feel good enough. Correct. (laughs) Right. So just for all the listeners out there, like that is always a thought and it's always optional the circumstance of like our bodies and what size or shape we are, it never means that we actually feel the way we want to feel or that we think differently about ourselves. Indeed. (laughs) It's a very real thing. And then of course, you know, I'm told, oh, I hate you. You're so skinny. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it sounds, it sounds silly, but when you hear that for so long, you start to think like, oh, it's like people hate me. And then, yeah. And then you get into the whole people-pleasing aspect, which is a different conversation. But mm-hmm. uh, it was very much like, okay, I just didn't grow up with that innate self-love of like the way that I looked, I guess. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about your body today? Oh, I feel fabulous about my body today. Mm-hmm. And I What do you think changed and like kind of was that switch for self-love? I think really – really all of the transformation work that I started doing. Definitely I saw flashes of it where it was external validation. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of go through different relationships or things and you get compliments here and there, but that's not lasting. That's definitely, mm-hmm. it doesn't really like satisfy you. It kind of actually highlights where your insecurities are, I would think. Mm-hmm. For me, at least that's how it worked. So you know, there were some situations where I would be told like, oh, you're gorgeous or, or something. And I was like, wait, what? Are you serious? Like, where <laughs> are you coming from? And I really, I was like, no, you, you've got to be kidding. And then, you know, other times where obviously that's not the case, I wasn't told things like that. But I think my inner work and choosing to love myself, even though I didn't have the perfect boobs and like, uh-huh. you know, the 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 curves that I really wanted, I think choosing that like, hey, this is my body. I'm grateful to have a body. I'm grateful to have a body that works for me so well. I'm grateful to be able to walk, to be, you know, just mm-hmm. pulling gratitude into myself is what really, mm-hmm. I would say, sparked that kind of self-love. Because now it's not just about loving the way that I look. It's about loving the fact that I'm alive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. For me, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and loving who you are as a person, your character, the values that you hold, not just oh, I can love myself because I'm a certain size, weight, or shape, 
And oftentimes that's what we get caught up. And that's something I internalized, you know, was, well, when I weigh this much, then I can love myself. When I have this size or this shape or I have this body or a flat stomach, or you can see my abs or whatever the criteria might be, it was when I have my body looks a certain way, well, then I can love myself, which meant that if I was heavier, if I was a bigger size and trying to lose weight, well, I could only talk like shit to myself. I was a total jerk, you know, and I couldn't like it, it was big challenge to to try and love myself at that bigger heavier size just because all I knew was to like hate and shame myself thin and that never worked right it is yeah. not not sustainable <sighs> at all yeah so what got you what was like the catalyst that got you into transformational coaching like was there a life event was there like a friend who was doing this what was it so i actually I, okay, so I'm into like the really esoteric side of the spiritual world. I'm into tarot and oracle cards and astrology. And I had a a reading actually on winter solstice of 2019. And, you know, this reading, she's like, hmm. And mind you, this is right before COVID, right? So she's mm-hmm. going through and it's like an astrological tarot reading And she's like, oh, it seems like you're going to have a really big vacation coming up. Like, are you taking a super long vacation from work? (laughs) I was like, no, I'm I'm not taking one. I did recently. Maybe that's what it is. And she's like, okay, well, I I see you taking one. And then she's like, I also see that you're going to be doing something completely different from what you do. And I was like, that's interesting. It's been on my mind. I don't really know exactly what I want that to be yet. And there were a few other things in there. And okay, so fast forward to March of 2020, right? And I completely forget about this reading, like not even anywhere in my consciousness. Everything is COVID. The world is shutting down and right. from work. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So I took this leap and I have this coach that I work with, Natalia Benson. And I was like, okay, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do, but I know it's something in this world of like, the coaching field. I know that it has to do with serving people in a way that's helping through, you know, emotional and mental, I guess you can call them struggles. And I took a leap of faith and I was like, all right, I'm coach me, Natalia, let's do this. And it was basically this create a business plan and do some healing work while you're going through it. And you know, I'm going through this all the way through summer of 2020. And then I recognized it's like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that tarot reading. Because also what she had told me is you're going to meet a, a woman and she's going to be in the field that you are changing your careers with. She's going to be in that field and she's going to coach you and help you along the way. And I was sitting in meditation at one point and I recognized it. I was like, oh my gosh, wow. I can't believe how accurate that tone <laughs> Yeah. Like meditation, switching fields, having a woman mentor. And so, yeah, working through it with a coach is actually what helped me identify my specific path, which I'm calling transformation coaching. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, and when we were talking about this a few months ago, I was just thinking like, oh my gosh, she has got to be on the show because I believe that like so often when it comes to weight loss, we're seeking an external transformation. We want our bodies to be a certain size or certain shape. We're looking for a certain weight and we think that that's what's going to make us feel better about ourselves. And the only way that we can create an external transformation and actually maintain it is to have an 
and create an internal transformation. We have to change who we are and how we show up in the world in order to not just lose the weight, but to be at a place where we can maintain it and we don't just go back to old habits and, and gaining it back. That's kind of my my take, my philosophy on it. Does that, I mean, is that a fair statement for you? <laughs> yes, like 1,000%. <laughs> like you are not going to see external change if you don't do the inner work. That is absolutely the bedrock of my philosophy. So. Yeah. And that's, it's hard too, it, it, to some extent, because we can feel that we've changed. I worked with a life coach for about a year and it was awesome having somebody to talk to about everything, everything from like childhood, parents, business, spouse, you know, potentially kids, you know, things like that. It's like all the things, body, food, and it really kind of going through that and like, feeling the internal transformation and feeling like I was changing and becoming this new person, but I also didn't necessarily look different on the outside. How I was showing up and like, it was more like in my thinking, like how I was thinking and and had drastically changed. But I think it was maybe even hard for some people on the outside to see such work and such transformation. How do you help clients with that? Who, you know, like they don't lose 50 pounds. They don't have this big external thing where they're getting all this praise, yet they feel like they're becoming a totally different person and they're doing all this internal work. Yes. So really when you do the internal work, the beauty that comes out of it is that you come to the plate or you step forward with a different perspective. And when you're able to give yourself a different perspective, you're able to see things from a different point of view and kind of change your thinking, mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, wow, I'm just much, much more excited about life. I'm more interested in these creative activities or whatever it is that, that interests you. And when you get to that perspective, you just feel so much better that you don't care about the external stuff. And that's really the shift that, that I help people work with is it's okay to care about the external things, but mm-hmm. let's shift your focus and let's see what else, what other beauty is within you. Mm-hmm. And shifting your focus is kind of like you're living your life one way, you're going in one direction and you're, it's kind of like the way I was before at, in the beginning of this episode, we were talking about all of the stress that I was addicted to. It was sort of like a tunnel vision sort of thing. I'm, you know, I'm looking at life in a certain way. And now all of a sudden I make these shifts and I'm like, wow, life is so much more beautiful than just having a, you know, a job to do or having, getting this praise from people who are like, wow, how did you get through that situation? Or how did you figure that out? That no longer mattered to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still a, a slight little, it's still there. It's mm-hmm. not completely 100% gone, I'll be honest, because mm-hmm. I don't think things just go away. But rather than it being like 70% of my focus, now it's probably like 10 to 15%. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of it in a way that I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I see you. I'm going to do a little more inner work because I see that that negative aspect is starting to perk up a little bit and wants a little attention. It's kind Mm -hmm. of how I do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like I have kind of a similar experience when it comes to emotional eating. Like it used to be this big part of my my day, my like how I experienced food was like there was often this drive for food when I wasn't truly hungry and it was just to try and soothe emotions. And so even now I I have maybe that desire for food sometimes when I'm not hungry, but I can 
I can see it, I can recognize it, and it happens much less. And it happens in a way where now I'm so much more aware and attuned where it can be like, oh, hi, old friend, <laughs> come pull yeah. up a chair, you know, like I don't have to run from it or be afraid. It's just something I, I recognize and then I can make that powerful decision to eat or not to eat. So one thing that I believe and that I've talked about on the show a little bit is how we create the results that we want in life, that we have thoughts that impact our feelings, the feelings that drive our action, and then the action that ultimately creates our results. And so a lot of times we focus so much on the action line of do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that in order to create the results without going back a step or two and really thinking about, well, how do I want to feel? What are the feelings? What do I need to feel in order to take the action? And how do I need to change my thinking so that I can take these actions and get the result that I want? And ultimately, the result just reflects back to you and it proves your thought true. So I often say that we're powerful creators because we create things, but it's often created first with a thought. So how do you see people and clients giving their power away and not being that powerful creator? Ooh, yes, that is a beautiful question. That is something that I talk about a lot in my work is the ways in which we give our power away. I think giving your power away is basically anything that doesn't come from within. If you are looking to please a partner or if you are looking for validation from somebody or if or if you are idolizing anyone for whatever reason, oh, that person is so amazing. They're such a great singer. I wish I was them. You are giving your power to something that is not within you. You are throwing your power out mm-hmm. into a different direction. Now, if, if we all have the, we, which we do, the ability to direct that back within us and say, oh, wow, I'm so amazing. I'm so incredible. Like, look at all this. Look at this amazing life that I have or this beautiful talent that I have. Now you're directing your power back to yourself. So I view giving your power away as something that is, I think that is so, I want to say rampant in our society today. Uh huh. And I actually remember, so I remember watching a Michael Jackson concert when I was little. <laughs> uh huh. And I remember seeing, oh my God, ah, like people screaming in the front row and crying and fainting. And I asked my mom, like, why are they fainting and crying? Uh huh. And she just said, well, they just, they love Michael Jackson so much that they just can't handle it. <laughs> so that for now, that is my mental image of giving your power away. It's oh. like all of your energy to something that is outside of you when you could just be focused on yourself. And I think it's absolutely uh-huh. okay to love somebody else. And to, but when you're at that level of it's an attachment to an idea or it's an attachment to what somebody else has and the belief that you don't have it, mm-hmm. when in actuality, you know, what we have is unique to us and more beautiful than what anybody else has because Mm -hmm. we all have our own unique purpose, right? So our soul is here to complete the mission of whatever it is that our mission is, our soul's mission. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can give our power away to external circumstances as well and think that because like this 
is the, you know, like this circumstance will make me feel this way, whether it's this job will make me feel fulfilled or this car will make me happy or this size or body is going to make me feel attractive or self-confident or loved or, you know, we could go on and on. But I think that's that's one way. And I think that's I learned that growing up of like, you know, these circumstances, these things will make you happy rather than recognizing it does come from within. It does come from my own thoughts and how I think about these circumstances. Yes, absolutely. And like, and the way that we think about things too, if I'm thinking about something like, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't do what mm-hmm. that person is doing, or I can't, I can't, you know, it's like that thought alone is it's self-defeating. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize how frequently we actually think like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. thinking from the the negative of like comparing, mm-hmm. you know, looking at something and comparing yourself to it or thinking like, oh, I'm not there. I'm I must not be good enough. You might not be saying that in your head, but that's what that's the sentiment. That's what the mm-hmm. energy of that thought is doing pretty, pretty important stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of leads into like language and whether we speak it or we hear it, whether we think it and how it affects us, you know, what's your take on that? So I actually have like a whole list of words that I don't even say out loud. I do this with my clients as well. There's, I'll give you three of them. It's can't, need, and should. We overuse these words and this is my own personal opinion, but we confuse the word. So for example, need, if you're saying all the time, I need to go to the grocery store. I need to get this task done. I need to call my cousin back. I need to, I need, if you keep saying need over and over, it's adding all this stress to your plate and you're actually confusing your body or your subconscious with something that is essential to your survival. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying need all the time in the work that I do, the subconscious, basically, it's like, all right, boss, what do you got for me today? And so when we're speaking or thinking, those thoughts and those words that we're speaking are giving our subconscious essentially directions. It's sort of like, Mm -hmm. okay, here are the blueprints, follow it and let's go. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden our body is like, all right, I guess we need to call this person and we need to do this and we need, need, need. Oh my God. Uh Yeah. And then now all of a sudden your body is like, all right, stress, that's, we're not getting it done, you know, in the time that you wanted to get it done. Here's your stress response. The same goes for, you know, can't and should can't. It's like, oh, I can't go to your, your party this weekend. It's like, well, I mean, really it's that you're choosing not to. Yes. Yes. Take back the power and like, just say I'm choosing or I'm choosing not to, or this isn't a priority or Yeah. yeah. And there is nothing wrong with that. Honestly, people, it's like, I have so much more respect for people who are aware of this and use that language or like, Mm -hmm. I will not be at your party this weekend. It's like, great. Okay, cool. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I have a a different commitment that I'm, I will be attending. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I love to be (laughs) right. Right. And I love that you, you talk about should as well. And you say, I don't, I don't use should. Oh, should. That is still something that I I watch out for because I still will should all over myself. And it's, there's, you know, it, it leads to just 
unmet expectations of like, I should be here. I should be further along. I should have made more progress. I should have lost more weight. All these shoulds. Yeah. It's, it creates like a a frustration with reality. Like we, we now are trying to argue with what is and it, it just creates so much drama and heartache. I feel like. Yes. Oh my gosh. Drama. That's the best way I've heard it actually. Thank you for saying that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it's so true. It's like you think about, oh, I should be doing that. I should be doing this. I should be here. Oh, I'm I'm 36 years old. I should be here in my life. But uh-huh. you know, you keep getting away from the now. The present moment is really it's is sort of like the key, the secret sauce to living a fulfilled life is being aware of where you are presently mm-hmm. and enjoying that and like living in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can plan for the future by all means. Like we wouldn't get anywhere if we didn't do that. But mm-hmm. putting the shoulds on yourself is like, it's really just so much. It's kind of carrying extra weight, honestly. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I think back to like when I was in my like mid twenties and I was making, pl- you know, I had plans, you know, graduated college and then it was find a job couldn't find a job. So then I was like, all right, let me go and do this. And then you make plans. And then it was like, then things change six months later. And so eventually I learned at like the age of 24, like, all right, I should just stop planning. And I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to wing life. (laughs) And then you do a few years of winging it. And then you're like, well, where am I? What am I doing with my life? What's going on here? I should be further along. I should be in a different career. I should be making more, like all the shoulds come out and, uh-huh. you know, really having to to take responsibility for, oh, well, you've just been meandering about winging it, <laughs> you know, like what, you know, but you also want, you can't have both, you know, like you got to pick one, but, but yeah, I think that's an area where we can get really, really hung up on are, are the shoulds. Yeah. So are there any other words or, or things that you, you have found tend to be like kind of triggers for other clients or things that are people should watch out for? Yes. So another one that I tend to, I recognize when I say it, and I used to say it a lot, I would say, I just blah, 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 fill in the blank. I just want to get this over here right now, or, or I just wanted to check in on you or it minimizes whatever the impact of what you are doing. So it's it's kind of like a, it makes you smaller when you say, I just, mm-hmm. followed by whatever statement it is. Oh, yeah. So I, I believe like if you want to really stand in your power, and this is with thinking, this is with communicating with other people, this is just even, oh, I just said it right there. <laughs> you know, I catch uh-huh. myself occasionally as well. Uh-huh, um, yeah. This is a way where you can just kind of know, <laughs> there we go again, where you can notice how powerful you can be is mm-hmm. if you're taking I just out of mm-hmm. your vocabulary, it's more powerful, really. Mm-hmm. I notice I tend to use like I just whenever Zach is like critiquing me or he's asking me to do something different or to, you know, do this or don't do that, that kind of like directive. And I'm trying to justify why I'm doing something. Well, I just wanted to keep the baby asleep. Well, I just, you know, it's kind of that like reflexive defense mechanism almost. And and let me try and reflect this off because I've got a very good reason. Don't criticize me. I've got a very good reason why I'm doing this. (laughs) And I wonder how that would go if you say, I wanted to keep the baby asleep. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, if you take just out of it, 
I wonder how the conversation would go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing I've learned is to receive and then explain to say, yes, thank you. You know, like I will like, let me work on that or, you know, I'll, I'll receive it and allow time for that. And then either allow a pause or allow the, like a transition into here's my thought process. That way there's, there's other things, but that's a whole nother conversation about relationships and don't tell me what to do and you're not the boss of me and you know, all that good stuff. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's for another show another time. <laughs> but I think this also plays into thoughts around money. And this is, uh, I'm going to do a whole episode on, on money and how it, in how our view and our relationship with money impacts our weight and our body image and, and different things, different areas of life. But this idea of I can't afford it or we don't have the money, things like that, when we could be so much more powerful if we say, I'm choosing not to spend my money here, or I'm choosing to prioritize these items instead of those, or things like that, like we can really take back our power and really feel more comfortable and confident in our money and not feel so much lack when we say, I'm choosing to spend my money here instead of just like, well, I can't afford it, or that's too much, or things like that. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. That's another one I've taken out of my vocab- vocabulary is that's too expensive or that's expensive. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. It yes. It's, it's all relative. Right. And I don't, you know, I choose not to spend my money on that and that's totally fine. Right. Right. Or yeah, like I, I don't want to spend $5,000 on a guest bedroom set of furniture. Like mm-hmm. it might totally be worth it, but I don't want to spend that money there. I'll spend $5,000 on coaching, <laughs> you know, like I'll spend money, you know, and it's like, it, yeah, the idea of like what's expensive. Yeah, it's, it's so subjective and it could be, well, I don't want to spend that money there. And and even just honoring that, like really recognizing like I'm not comfortable with it. I don't want to put that money there. I want to put it over here. You know, things like that, I think can be really powerful. Yeah. I think when I have you on the show again next, we'll have to talk more about money because I know we've had some some good conversations offline about that that I would love to bring back. Absolutely. And actually, you know, what's also related here is what we're talking about is lack mindset. Oh, and- Yeah. That goes with everything. So money is, you know, one expression. But if we have the lack mindset of that, I'm not enough, or Mm -hmm. I'm not this or that of whatever I want to be, it's all tied together. And having an abundance mindset is really, I think, the powerful direction. I'm pretty sure that's what you work with. That's what I work with for sure. And it really ties into what we're taught as children and the way that we make these connections with outside sources. You know, I remember growing up and being like, oh, we well, we don't have money this weekend. Oh, but we do next weekend. It was so back and forth. Mm-hmm. And to see how that also played into, you know, not just my idea with money, but my idea with love or my idea with, mm-hmm. you know, security, what what it all means. Like, oh, am I do I want to go to this college or that college? Or I don't know. Can I even get into college? I'm not smart enough for that. Like just the whole confusing aspect of it for Mm -hmm. me, I think that's what impacted me so much is like that same mindset of back and forth. We have it. We don't have it translated into a lot of other areas of my life. Yeah. Um, So where did you see that with love? Oh, well, I, I think I definitely, I used to pursue relationships where 
the person was not really sure about me. Uh-huh. So, you know, I have, I have <laughs> in my past, I've dated guys where I really like them and then they really like me, but I still really like them. And then they don't really like me, but then they do if I break up with them. And then oh. they're back, like, <laughs> uh-huh. oh, you broke up with me, but wait, I really liked you. And so it was just this back and forth of love and which I don't actually attribute as love. I believe that uh-huh. was lust. It was something else. Yeah. But seeing that kind of playing out in like a romantic atmosphere uh-huh. is really interesting how I can tie these things together. Like, oh, that's kind of fascinating because it's again, it's a lack mindset that carried over into a relationship setting. Like, oh, I'm not enough. This person doesn't want me. Okay. Oh no. Let me do what I can to make sure that they want me. Like and people then, pleasing. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And then you know what? This isn't right for me. I'm going to take it away. I I'm too good for this. And then all of a sudden they come back, and you're just like, oh, okay. So it's all just a game, huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I totally agree. How we do one thing is how we do everything. And. It's, it, it does have this ripple effect. And that's why I, you know, I encourage people to, you know, just focus on working on one area of your life. You know, you don't have to work on everything all at once, but just start with one area because you'll find that when you start to transform, like how you think about yourself, how you talk to yourself, that is going to, to change how you talk to your kids, how you talk to your spouse, how you deal with in-laws, how you handle situations at work with a boss or with colleagues. You know, it does, it has this ripple effect into all these other areas of your life, Um, whether it's, you know, a month later, a year later, 10 years later, you know, we all go at different paces at different times, but we're constantly incorporating this into, you know, just how we are living and how we are being in the world. Yes. Yes. Everything is connected. Yeah. So do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by? And I totally sprung this on you last minute, so it's okay (laughs) if you don't have it off the top of your head. Um, I do. Well, okay, kind of. So my favorite little saying, which comes from the Bible, and I have it tattooed on my body, is I am that I am. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that is really, that's really powerful. And it's one of the highest mantras because it's, you're not identifying with any particular version of yourself. You're choosing to be you in each moment. And I think that whenever I get a little bit kind of stuck or whenever I'm kind of feeling, you know, a little out of sorts, I I go back to that one and Mm -hmm. I love it. And then another thing I like to do is, I don't, I actually don't know the name of the person who said this. They're a famous guru from like an Eastern tradition. But when you're meditating of just asking over and over, who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I? You're getting past different layers of like, okay, well, well, I'm Janae and I'm 36 years old. And I Mm -hmm. like, that's not who I am. Who am I? Mm-hmm. And you can keep asking that question forever and ever and ever. And, you know, your answers just keep changing and changing. Mm-hmm. But the question remains. So. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a good conversation. I can't believe we've like had an entire episode already. I feel like we just got started talking, but I so appreciate your time and uh, just the energy and insight that you brought today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been 
wonderful and such an enlightening conversation. Yes. So where can people find you and connect with you offline or online, but outside of this show? Yes. So I have a website. It's janaecomma.com. And then I also have um, my Instagram is at janaecomma. And I will be also doing free consultations for the rest of this summer. So if you do go to my website and you're interested, you can actually book a free consultation with me. And I've got a few little freebies on my website as well. Yes. Yes, definitely. Go check it out. Janae, thank you again. I can't wait to do this. We will definitely have a part two. I'll have you back soon. Yes. Wonderful. I'm excited. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.